I'm going to do everything I can this morning to um, get through this message. And when I say that, what I mean is, is that the Lord has just been just teaching me so much through this. I got really excited Wednesday night and told you that I was going to be in 1 Samuel 17, and that's where we're going to be today. Um, and due to uh, just... The first Samuel 17 is all of 58 verses. We're not going to go through all of it. Uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit just to, since many of us know the story. But let me ask you this question as we start this morning. What is the biggest underdog story that you've ever experienced? For some of you, your mind immediately goes back to sports. This past week, I was cleaning out uh, my office at home. I have a lot of things that just, it was time for me to go through and do spring cleaning in the middle of the heat. And I found this magazine from 2007, and it's Appalachian State versus Michigan, number five. I don't know how many of y'all remember this, but the title of it is All-Time Upset, or the greatest underdog story in sports up until that point. For some of us, the story of the miracle hockey team who was able to defeat teams that they never would have even been able to play with. But for some of us in our mind, when we think of the underdog story because of our culture and we have related it to all these other stories, we go back to David and Goliath. And today I want to just take a journey in David and Goliath. And I want to see what the Lord is kind of showing us. I ask and pray that you will not come into this moment right now and say, Oh, David, I've already, I know the story of David and Goliath. I've heard it since I was three years old. I'm going to challenge you today just to put on a new set of glasses. Say, Lord, just help me to see, help me to understand. Because it is your story, God, and you have done amazing things through it. And so this morning, as we go into this time, let's pray And I'm going to pray my life verse as we pray. Lord, as we go into this time of David and Goliath, Lord, I pray that you will show, God, just yourself so mighty. God, open our hearts to hear your voice. Show us what you are teaching us. And Lord, may we be willing to truly lay our life down and hear your call today. Lord, may my preaching, may my teaching not be in persuasive words of wisdom, but on the demonstration of the power, so that your faith would not rest on the, their faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the demonstration of you and and, and you and you alone, Lord. So God, we love you and we praise you, and we give you all glory. Amen. You know, I brought this morning a slingshot for you, um, because I want you to understand that when I was a little kid, this is what I envisioned uh, as, I, as I heard the David and Goliath story. I envisioned this, uh, this little kid running around with a slingshot with five stones in his pocket. And that uh, actually I kind of envisioned it made out of wood because they didn't probably have much plastic back then. Um, and that, that he would get that stone and he would just kind of, you know, and, and I, I kind of envisioned God kind of directing that stone maybe like, like, I, I don't know how, because my mind never could comprehend how a rock could knock somebody out, even though rocks do hurt. Um, I used this and, and took it outside and, and shot it a few times. But the Lord began to show me uh, that this is not the story 
of David and Goliath. And to be honest with you, it didn't even have anything to do with a slingshot like this. It had to do with a shepherd's sling that we will talk about here in a minute. So today as we go into this, I pray that you will simply just run with me through the scriptures as we just look at this in a new light. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soka, which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Soka and Asaka. In Ephesus' domain, Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah. He drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines, and the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. With the valley between them, then a champion came out. From the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze uh, greaves on his legs and bronze javelins slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of the spear weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield carrier also walked before him. Verse 8, he stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel and he said to them, Why do you come out and draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and and you servants of Saul? Choose a man yourself and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David, and I want to just go and skip down to verse 16 here. It says this, The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. Let's skip on down to verse 23. It says, As he was talking, With them, behold, the champion, as David was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath, named Goliath, was coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke these words, and David heard them. When all the men of Israel saw the man, he fled, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he's coming to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by saying, what will be done to this man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should taunt the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in accord with his word saying, Thus it will be done to the man who kills him. Now we're going to skip down to verse 32. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistines. Verse 37. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. Now in verse 41, we see the battle. Then the Philistines came on, approached, uh, and, uh, on and approached David with the shield bear in front of him. 
When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, and he was but a youth and, and, and ruddy, and, and ruddy and with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you would come with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Little g. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give you flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you, and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky, to the wild beasts of the earth, that All the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all all the assemblies may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David. And David ran quickly through the battle lines to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and he took from it. A stone, and he slung it, and, the, and it struck the Philistine on his forehead, and the stone sank deep into his forehead, so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took the sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him, cut off his head. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. The last verse I want you to see is verse 54. It says, Then David took the Philistine's head. He brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his weapon in his tent. I understand that's a lot of reading today, but we had to walk through that. I don't know about y'all, but that's refreshing just to read that. I mean, I almost feel like we can just stop right now and be done. But the Lord has given me so much today. He's given me five points because there was five stones. Some of you may say, well, he only needed one stone. So we only need one point today, David. My prayer is is that we will get through all of it. The first point that I want you to see in this scripture, scripture is that it's not an underdog story. Let's just be real for a second. The reason that we speak the word underdog story is because our eyes are focused on the giant. The only reason that we ever say that this is an underdog story is because we see how big Goliath is. But let me just remind you what he says in verse 37. He says in verse 37, And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hands of the Philistine. David realized that God plus me is a majority every time. He realized that if God was with him, nothing could happen to him. And you say, well, David, he could have lost his life. Absolutely. But if you go one chapter back, you see that David was anointed to be king of Israel. And I don't think that God would have anointed him to be king of Israel. And then the next chapter, see you later, David. But it also says 
in verse 45 and 46, and I love this, and as I read it, I just had to stop. I mean, I, I, I'm going to try as hard as I can to get through this today. Then David said to the Philistine, you have come with a sword and a spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. David and Goliath is not an underdog story. Why? Because God is with David, and there is nothing that supersedes the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, I want you to see this. It says, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming. And now it is already in the world. And check this out in verse 4. You are from God, little children, and you have overcome them. Who have you overcome? The verse before that is the Antichrist spirit that's in the world. The giants that are in this world that are coming after you. Because you're with God, you're not an underdog anymore. And then it says, because greater is he. Greater is God that's in us than he that's in the world. Greater is the one who's going with us, the commander of our army, the living God, than the commander of the army of these crazy giants. It says we're more than conquerors. In Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 37, or verse 31 first, it says, If God is with us, then who can be against us? In verse 37, it says, But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loves us. We're no longer underdog stories because God is with us. David and Goliath is never an underdog story unless you focus on Goliath. But when you focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, let me tell you something, we're always going to be conquerors. And so my prayer today is that it's not this, this little slingshot and this little kid who goes up there and just does this. And No, I, I pray today you see that, that David walked out in boldness with a shepherd's sling. And he, he begins to just swing that. And then all of a sudden he swings it and he goes right into the forehead of Goliath and Goliath falls over. Let me just show you how, I mean, Judges chapter 20 verse 16 says this. This blew my mind. It said, out of all these people, 700 choice men were left-handed and each one could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. Can I just tell you, I think that, that we need to rename the story to Shepherd Boy David the Sniper. Like, David brought a gun to a knife show. Like, I just want you to realize that, that here is David in his boldness because of who God is. God taught him over the days and trained him in battle ready by, by, by slinging the stone to stop the wolves and the different things that would come after his sheep. That's what shepherds would use their slingshot for, was ultimately to stop the animals that were trying to take away their sheep. It even talks about it, we just didn't have time to go into it. So number one, we must realize that this is not an underdog story. Number two, we must be willing to name the giants in our lives. We have three responses to giants in our lives. Number one is we name it and we find victory in the blood of Jesus Christ. Number two, we deny it. We live in denial. Oh, it won't bother me. I'll be okay. Everything's fine. And we deny that there's any type of giant in our lives. And number three, we don't even know. We don't even know. So we're either naming the giants in our lives or we're in denial or we don't know. Let me address the first one. We name them. We're seeing victory. 
You're going to see throughout this whole message that that's where I want you to get to is this place. But number two, many of us find ourselves in places where there are things in our lives we don't want to accept it. We don't want to have to deal with it. Why? Because taking out giants in our life is painful. Can you imagine David, shepherd boy David, walking out into the, and, and the nation of Israel sitting there saying, oh my goodness, what are we doing? We're about to be slaves to Goliath. Because that was the command. It's painful. It's easier for 40 days just to sit back and just say, well, you just stay out there and keep taunting us and, and keep, keep just, just doing your thing. And, and we'll sit over here and we just won't send anybody out to fight you. And so we'll just stay uh, basically stagnant for 40 days. Or you can send and have the faith of David and go out. We must not be in denial. We must name the giant. In verse 26 of 1 Samuel 17, it says this. It says, Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would taunt the armies of the living God? Let me tell you what he did right there. He just spoke who he's up against. But he also spoke who that person's uh, general is. Uncircumcised Philistine. He is a giant that is not with the nation of Israel. So who is the general of this giant? Who's the one behind it? Well, the scripture is very clear that it's Satan. It's the demonic warfare. It's the things of this world. We, we, we could go into it if we had time. But he speaks. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the Lord God? Let me ask you this right now. Are you willing to name the giants in your lives? The third one is, is that maybe you don't even know. And this is my favorite verse that has wrecked my world for, for eight years. Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Are you willing to ask the Lord what giants are in your lives? Let me just share some giants the Lord put on my heart. Fear of the unknown. Fear of failing. What people think about you. Loneliness. Pride. Materialism, greed, alcohol, immorality, sluggardness, drugs, lies, religious spirit. These are just a short list of many giants that we face. I want to do this before we go any further. And the Lord put this on my heart to do this in the middle of the message. And I know it's going to be a little bit awkward for some, but I want to stop right here. I want to have an applicable moment. Will you right there in your seat, will you be willing to say, God, show me any giants in my life? So I'm going to ask you right here just to pray and seek the Lord and say, God, will you show me any giants in my life that I will name them? So if you'll take just a minute right here, and I'm just going to be quiet. And we're going to pray. God, we'll never see victory in our life if we're not willing to just stop. And let you speak to us and show us. We can make our life so busy that we don't have to deal with it. Lord, I pray right now that you show each of us giants in our lives. So that we may stand firm against them. 
we may stand firm, God, with you. For it's in your name. Amen. Point number three. Giants are not what they seem. Giants are not what they seem. So the first point, it's not the underdog story. Number two is you have to be willing to name the giants. Number three, I want you to understand they're not what they seem. Here's Goliath and the, the, the scripture goes into great detail about his armor and his size and, and that he has a, a, a armor bearer in front of him and that his massive size and armor and all this stuff. Then you see in verse 11, what do you see? It says, when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Why were they afraid? Because they were looking at the giant and his size and what he looked like to their eyes. But what they had missed is that their commander-in-chief is the living God. They allowed the giant to speak fear into them. And let me just tell you something. The giants in your life have no place in your life unless you give it to them. Unless you give it to them. In Ephesians, it says, don't give Satan a foothold. Let me just tell you, giants in our lives, or it says in Ephesians 4.27, and do not give the devil an opportunity. The giants in our lives only have a place in our lives if we open up the door and give them that place. See, you have the voice of the evil one and the voice of truth. Casting Crowns has such an incredible song called The Voice of Truth. You have both voices that are speaking. And when you listen and put more, when you listen and believe the voice of the lie, you have now opened up the door for Satan to have a foothold. For this giant to look so big. And that's what Satan does, isn't it? He looks so strong and so big and all these different things. And then it says in the book of Revelation that when we get there uh, later in life, when we get to heaven, that we're going to look down and say, really, is that who we were afraid of? But let me just go even further. Medical science has shown that when you're a giant, when you're way over like eight plus feet tall, that there is a medical term called acromegaly. When somebody has acromegaly, they usually have a tumor on their pituitary gland which produces hormones to where they continue to grow. They've done, where where giants, people who have this condition, they've done autopsies on them and they found out their body was still growing. Why? Because the tumor on the pituitary gland continued to produce hormones that continue to make them grow. You know what one of the leading side effects of having acromegaly is? I read this on WebMD. <laughs> but more than that, I, I, I called and, and, and talked with, with somebody in the profession. But one of the side effects is not good vision. I cannot prove to you or tell you that the giant in this story in 1 Samuel 17 didn't have great vision. But let me just tell you something. Isn't it interesting that if he couldn't see well, maybe that's why this nine foot plus guy needed an armor bearer in front of him. You ever thought about that? If he couldn't have seen well, isn't it interesting that just sheerly by what they saw, the Philistines cowered back. Can you imagine if all that time they would have got up there and realized this guy might not even be able to see well? Man, I could have taken him out. I mean, 
Saul said you wouldn't have to pay taxes if if, whoever took him out. That's enough for me to slay some giants. But can you imagine when you get up next to the giant, you realize that this giant isn't as big. It's all the lies and the deceptions that we've allowed to believe in our heart. Israel was fearful for what they saw with their own eyes, which leads us to point number four. It's not by sight, it's by faith. By faith, not by sight. You will never slay giants in your life as long as you're looking through your own eyes. Because every time you will cower back in fear, as we see in verse 11 of 1 Samuel 17, that they were fearful. Why? Because of what they saw. Let me give you a few examples in the scripture. First off, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that we walk by faith, not by sight. Israel walked by sight in this story. But David walked by faith. Israel saw and was afraid. David let the Lord speak through him and he said, Hey, I know who's with me. Come on, let's go. I'm not afraid. He did not walk by sight. He knew the living God and so therefore he went forward. Let me just show you real quickly just a few stories in the scripture. 2 Kings chapter 6 verses 15 and 17 says this, through 17 says, Now when the attendants of the man of God had risen early and gone out, this is Elijah, behold an army with horses and chariots were circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And so he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses, chariots of fire all around Elijah. He sees the armies and the servant is fearful. Elijah prays that his eyes are open, that he may see what Jesus, what God sees. And guess what he saw? Oh, we're good. We're good to go. There's angel armies all around. You know, I'll be running whenever I train for, for Ironman and stuff, and I'll just be running. I'll be like, man, I wonder if there's an angel like army up there, like there. I just, everywhere I go, I just think, there's no telling. The next one I want you to see is Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. And he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep, and they came to him and woke him. Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, why are you afraid? You mean, you men of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? Let me just tell you something. The disciples in that moment were seeing through their own eyes. Were they not? They became afraid. But then Jesus says, why do you have such little faith? He calmed the storm because he's the creator. See, they had their eyes on creation and not on the creator. Maybe we have our eyes sometimes on creation and the, and the giants and all these things that we've missed the idea of what's going on. And due to the lack of time, I'm not going to go into it, but no, Numbers chapter 13, verses 25 through 33, and I'm just going to share it with you. This is Caleb and Joshua and the 12 spies. And what happened to them? They go in, they see giants in the land, but they also see just incredible grapes and, and, and flowing milk and honey. I mean, just, it's just incredible. But they were so afraid of the giants that what did they do? They got the of Israel said, we can't go in. And Joshua and Caleb are like, God's given it to us. Like, God's already given us victory. What are you saying? But they won. 
the ten of them outspoke the other two and got the congregation together and they all said, we're not going in because you just sent us out here to die. Do you know what happened to them? For 40 years, well, first off, the ten of them died. You know what happened to the, four, to the others? For 40 years, they wandered in the desert. Some of us have been wandering in the desert for years because we're not willing to attack the giants in our lives by Christ and Christ alone. Today, please come out of the wilderness and into the promised land, but you're going to have to be willing to say, by faith and faith alone, I'm going to stand. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And then in verse 6, he goes into it and he says, and without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeying by going out to a place which he had not received, which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out but not knowing where he was going. And then it talks about Sarah and the same thing. It says here in Hebrews chapter 11, we see the scripture saying that it was by faith, not by sight. Now here's the problem, and and please write this down. If, If you're taking notes, please write this down. For us to have faith, we must know the one we have faith in. For you to have faith, to be able to slay the giants in your life, you must know the one that you have faith in. You must know him. David, through the book of Psalms, we see just this incredible journey of getting to know God. We see that he, he was a man after God's heart. He loved the Lord, and he got to know him. And so when he went before Goliath, this was no big deal for him. It wasn't an underdog story for him. If anybody was the underdog, it was Goliath. Because he knew who I come with. I come with the living God. So let me ask you this question. How many of you today have been allowing giants in your life, and I walked through them earlier, allowing just loneliness or pride or all these different things just to swell up in your heart because you're not willing to walk by faith and listen to the voice of truth? I wish I had time today to go into every one of those giants and give you the scripture behind each one of how to defeat it. Maybe that's what I'll do on the Wednesday nights whenever I teach is just kind of walk through and give you scripture so that you can see that the voice of truth has already spoken over these things. How do you know the one who your faith is in? By studying the word of God, by getting to know him, by falling on your face and, and, and crying out to him and seeking the great I am, the king of kings. And the last point that I want you to see is that Jesus' blood, it gives us the victory. Verse 54 of 1 Samuel 17 says this. It says, then after Samuel, verse 54, it says, Then David took the Philistine's head, and he brought it to Jerusalem, and he put his weapon in his tent. You say, David, what, explain that to me. All I can tell you is that he brought the head of Goliath to Jerusalem, because that's what it says. But let me just tell you something. About a thousand years later, About a thousand years later, 
in Jerusalem on a hill called Calvary. Our Savior, He came and He died to defeat the one who basically is in control of all these giants in your lives. It was on Calvary that the blood of the Lamb flowed. That each of us could have salvation and that each of us could have victory over the giants in our lives. Listen, I could go through all those giants that we just spoke about and I could say that each one of those were were there at Calvary. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus defeated Satan by the blood of the Lamb on the cross. And Satan's the one who's the general behind, the mastermind behind all these lies and deceptions in your life. And this is where the Lord just broke me down. Before the cross, before my point of salvation in my life, the scripture says that though I was a sinner, Christ died for me. But I wanted to show you this as a Gentile before the cross, Before salvation in my life, not only was I against the king, but I would have been one of the Philistines, standing on the other side, heckling the armies of the living God. I would have been one on the other side saying, hey, we got this. Let me explain to you why I say that. In 1 John 3, verse 7 through 8, It says this, little children, make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Verse 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. And check this out. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Hang on, I'm going to have to say it again. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Like it was on Calvary that the blood of Jesus flowed down so that the one that I was under a child of wrath for, I would have been a Philistine that would have been saying, we got this, we got Goliath, we're good. I would have been deceived all my life. But because Jesus loved me that much, That he would send his son to die on the cross. That the blood of Jesus would cover every giant in my life. Every giant that I'm going through. And if you sit here and say, David, I just can't defeat the giant. No, you can't. But by the blood of the lamb, you can. And we got to start living not as an underdog story. But we got to start living in the the fact that, that our God's with us. We're not an underdog. If you think you're an underdog, you have bought into the lie of Satan. You believe the lie of the evil one if you feel like you're an underdog. You feel like you can't do it. I never see in 1 Samuel 17 that David said, Oh, I don't know if I can do this. I just don't know. In just a few minutes, we're going to take of the Lord's Supper. It reminds us of what it took for us to be free from the devil's grips. Because of the blood of the Lamb... I'm on God's side now. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Let me go back to the very beginning of point one. 
In Romans 8, 37, it said, but in all these things overwhel- that we overwhelmingly conquer through him, through Jesus. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, which I love this verse, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. I want to read to you one more scripture. And then we're going to go into a time of just seeking the Lord as we go into a time of the Lord's Supper. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23, I want you to see this. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by what? The blood of the Lamb. By a new and living way which He inaugurated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near, and I want you to see this, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. How do we slay the giants in our life? It's by the blood of the Lamb, by walking in faith, having full assurance. It's because of the blood of the Lamb that we have full assurance that we can slay the giants in our lives. Having our hearts sprinkled and clean. For an ev- from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. As we close and as I just lead in a time of prayer, let me just ask you right now. I sat there last night and I watched the passion again. And I watched as my Lord and my Savior, though I would have been a Philistine, though I would have been one who had no, I I had no care in one time in my life. But He loved me enough to die for me, that I may have life. And the Scripture says, remember. When you take of the, the Lord's Supper, remember until He comes again. What do we remember? We're remembering that it's by the blood of the Lamb that we can boldly come before the throne of God, that we have victory over the giants in our life, and that He is our Lord and our Savior. May we not take this for granted today. May we not take it for granted. But may we, as we take of the Lord's Supper today, may we realize that not only was our salvation bought by the blood, but the giants in our lives have to fall. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ.